This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Can you hear me now? Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, major cell phone and internet outages this morning impacting tens of thousands of Americans. Perhaps you are among them. AT&T users unable to send or receive text messages or make phone calls in certain cases. Pretty alarming uh, issues here nationwide when it comes to the cell phone outages. Correspondent Brian Chung. Some of the most affected areas so far, they include San Francisco, Los Angeles, Houston, Atlanta. So it's happening in many pockets across the country. This is the second major outage within a week. Many cell phone users were unable to dial 911 today. Cybersecurity expert Kirk Knutson. I mean, imagine this. You call 911 and you can't get through. Well, that is a huge, huge problem. All kinds of infrastructure in our country rely upon cellular communication. AT&T says it is working on the problem. No reason given yet for why so many experience these cellular disruptions today. Alabama's largest hospital has paused all in vitro fertilizations after the state's highest court ruled that frozen embryos are essentially children. Legal analyst Laura Jarrett. People can be sued for destroying frozen embryos. The court concluding embryos on ice are no different than babies in the womb. Hospitals are concerned they could face criminal prosecution for doing IVF treatments. Correspondent Meg Oliver. The University of Alabama is the largest hospital system there in the state, and they're very concerned that this is going to ripple down and start affecting other clinics. They don't know what are they going to have to advise their patients to transfer their embryos? Are they going to have to go out of state? There's so much uncertainty. GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley weighed into the controversy today. I didn't say that I agreed with the Alabama ruling. The question that I was asked is, do I believe an embryo is a baby? I do think that if you look in the definition, an embryo is considered an unborn baby. Our goal is to always do what the parents want with their embryo. It is theirs. The Alabama Supreme Court decision stems from a 2022 case where several couples filed wrongful death suits after frozen embryos were dropped on the floor by accident and destroyed. President Biden may try to make an end around Congress to rein in the migrant crisis. He cites a 1952 law that grants executive powers to restrict asylum claims at the border. Correspondent Garrett Hayes. It speaks to both the scale of the crisis at the border and the political potency of the immigration issue that the White House is now considering taking actions they had long said only Congress could to stem the flow of migrants at the border. Donald Trump tried this when he was president and was shot down by the courts. Trump has made border security his key campaign issue in the 2024 election. There's never been a border in the history of of the world that's looked anything like this tragedy. It's a tragedy. 
And he can shut it down. Mr. Biden could try to exert these so-called presidential powers within the next couple of weeks. Texas Congressman Chip Roy says something must be done, and soon. Most of my constituents come up to me and say, shut down the border or shut down the government. They're sick of open borders. Former CIA station chief Dan Hoffman. We don't have the data. We don't know the details on these people who are crossing the border. Some could be terrorists, and, and that's of grave concern. It's a, it's a problem that faces Democrats and Republicans. The fact that we can't get it done on Capitol Hill is disconcerting to me. Since President Biden took office, there have been 7.3 million unlawful entries into this country. That's a number that exceeds the populations of 36 states. House Democrats say it's time to pull the plug on the Biden impeachment inquiry after the DOJ indicted one of the witnesses for lying. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin. Russian intelligence operatives were behind creating the propaganda and disinformation at the very foundation of this investigation. So I think it's time for uh, Chairman Comer and the Republicans to fold up the circus tent and we should get back to work for the American people. But Republicans argue the facts of this case have not changed and there's a trail of breadcrumbs leading to influence peddling. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer says the president's younger brother made millions selling access to a Chinese energy company. He was introducing the owners of CEFC to the American political establishment of the Democrat Party. Now, that's called lobbying. That's what a lobbyist does. And when you're doing that for a foreign entity, that's called a foreign agent. James Biden was questioned for more than eight hours yesterday. Next week, the president's son, Hunter, sits down for a closed door deposition. There's been a surge of violence in the Middle East in the West Bank today. One Israeli is dead, eight others wounded. Reporter Holly Williams. Three Palestinian gunmen opened fire near a busy checkpoint in the Israeli-occupied West Bank early this morning. According to authorities here, they say Israeli security forces killed two of the attackers and a third was wounded and detained. Israel's National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir visited the scene with some strong words saying, quote, the right to our lives prevails on their freedom of movement. Meanwhile, in the Gaza Strip, there are reports that Israel's intensified its bombardment of the South. Holly Williams in Jerusalem. On the money beat today, student loans with a balance of $12,000 or less have been forgiven for almost 153,000 Americans. Those borrowers had to have been paying on those loans for at least 10 years. A Texas college biology professor who was fired for teaching that your sex is determined by your chromosomes, that professor has just been reinstated. Dr. Varkey has been vindicated and he's once again free to fulfill his calling and do what he does best. Kayla Tony is an attorney with First Liberty, which represented Dr. Johnson Varkey in court. The First Amendment protects teachers' ability to speak in the classroom when they're teaching on the subjects that they've been assigned. Dr. Varkey will be back on the campus of St. Philip's College in San Antonio this fall. He was fired after some students complained about his position on gender in a human anatomy class. San Francisco State University has dropped its investigation into an attack on women's rights activist Riley Gaines. The champion swimmer had to lock herself in a room to keep from being attacked by transgender activists when she appeared on campus last spring. Transgender 
That's what it sounded like back then. The incident in April prompted litigation by Gaines' attorneys. The school calls the charges unfounded. Gaines has gained a reputation for speaking out against biological boys competing in girls' sports. A private spacecraft with no crew aboard could today become the first from the U.S. to land on the moon in more than half a century. Intuitive Machines' Odysseus Lander is the second try by a U.S. company to land a spacecraft on the moon in recent weeks. It's also part of a NASA commercial program to have private companies design, build, and launch spacecraft to support the agency's own Artemis moon program. NASA's Sandra Connolly. Industry is in the lead and providing these services, so they're the decision makers. If all goes well today, Odysseus will touch down just before 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Peter King reporting. Still to come on the noon report, getting ready for the solar eclipse, fireball in the sky, and the campground kidnapper in court. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Well, we still have the mild air, but that glorious sunshine the last several days has given way to lots of clouds and a few bits of rain. I'll have the detailed forecast coming up in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. Thank you. The man who kidnapped a nine-year-old girl from a state park in Saratoga County, New York last fall, pled guilty yesterday to kidnapping and sexual assault charges. 46-year-old Craig Ross copped a deal with the prosecution. Police are happy, though, to know that he'll probably spend the rest of his life behind bars. Very emotional moment as he uh, is monstrously guilty and uh, could be happier for everybody, uh, especially our family. The nine-year-old victim was snatched while riding her bike at Moreau Lake State Park in September. She was found alive a few days later in a trailer behind the home of Ross's mother. One person dead, a woman in her 40s following a morning fire in Cambria County. That victim was found in a second floor bedroom this morning. Three others got out of the home on Mount Airy Drive in Adams Township. Two were trapped on the roof of the porch and had to be rescued by Pennsylvania firefighters. If you thought you saw fire in the sky last night, well, you probably did. Family Life's Dee Haley. Several people reported seeing something catching fire in the sky. It happened at about 6.45 last night and was seen all the way from Grand Island to East Aurora. If you're wondering what it was, WIVB-TV reports it was a meteor. The meteor ignited in the air but never reached the ground. The fireball lasted anywhere from one to three seconds, depending on your location. D. Haley. Family Life News. Thank you, D. Folks are getting ready already for an astronomical phenomenon in April. A total solar eclipse happens April 8th. Much of upstate New York is in the path of totality. The time of totality will be almost four minutes. That's twice as long as the last total solar eclipse back in 2017. Darkness will descend on the region starting around 317 in the afternoon in western Chautauqua County and then ending around 325 in the afternoon in Plattsburgh in northern New York. Cities like Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse all in the path of totality. After April 8th, the next solar eclipse won't happen until August 23rd of 2044. New York lawmakers will vote next week on the newly drawn congressional districts. The new map, not much different than the old one. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. There's a process to be played out. The next step is the legislature 
and let's see what they come up with. I will not be putting my finger on the scale. It's not perfect for me to do so. The earliest that the Democrat-controlled state legislature can vote on the redrawn maps is this coming Monday. Officials hope to have them finalized in time for the June primary. Pennsylvania has a shortage of experienced poll workers for the upcoming election. That story from Family Life, Sarah Harnish. 58 officials who served during the 2019 election have left. They had a combined 293 years of experience. Pennsylvania set up with a skeletal crew for November's election with 21% fewer years of experience. It's the lowest in half a decade. State election officials call it challenging and say a deficit of experienced election directors leads to a risk of errors like the preventable paper shortage foible in Luzerne County. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Thank you, Sarah. The Pennsylvania State Senate is seeking public feedback on the future of programs for the elderly. They want to know the shape of services for older Pennsylvanians over the next decade as the state's senior citizen population continues to climb. Pennsylvania currently ranks ninth in the nation in terms of its overall elderly population. Lawmakers want to find better access to services for seniors, create more avenues for independent living, and facilitate more caregiver support. The New York Board of Regents wants to update the system by which funds are distributed to public schools. Here's Family Life's Jeremy Miller. The board wants a $1 million study by independent experts to identify improvements to the school aid formula, which uses 25-year-old benchmarks to determine need and funding. Some lawmakers say any changes would be rejected if their school districts would get less aid. Supporters say the current formula limits funds to poor districts while giving unfairly large shares to wealthier districts, and analysts say it does not account for spikes in migrant families, mental health services, and other needs, and leads to more increases every year. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much. The Pennsylvania House held a hearing this week on those FAFSA delays. The financial aid forms are late this year, many months late, and it's causing problems with college-bound families. Patrick Brett is a high school guidance counselor in the Harrisburg area. People that need the help are those who are socioeconomically disadvantaged, single parent, or grandparents who are raising these children, possibly first-generation college-bound. Many schools are pushing back their deposit deadlines because of the delays in those federal financial aid forms. You're listening to The Noon Report, a Thursday edition on Family Life. Let's check sports next. Exciting college basketball action in Baton Rouge, Louisiana last night as the LSU Tigers upset 17th-ranked Kentucky in men's college basketball. Here's what the final play sounded like. LSU has a timeout. They're not going to use it. Seven seconds to go. Here goes Wright with five. Wright with three. Driving. Has it blocked. Gets it back. The shot. What a finish. Tyrell Ward sinking the game-winning shot. Fans then stormed the court. It's the Tigers' second straight win against a ranked opponent. The Buffalo Sabres picked up a much-needed victory on the road last night. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 at Bell Center. Sabres goalie Uka Pekka Lukanen was outstanding in net, stopping 21 of the 31 shots he faced. Buffalo's next game is tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
Rockets. Nick Saban may be retired, but he's still making waves in college football. The Alabama legends concern the current state of college football doesn't focus on the preparation of student athletes for after college. Saban would also like to see some changes to how athletes are compensated. The 72-year-old retired in January and is now an analyst for ESPN. And spring training starts today in Major League Baseball. The first game of the 2024 season happens this afternoon in the desert in Arizona between the Dodgers and Padres. Four more games on tap tomorrow. The rest of the MLB teams will begin their spring training on Saturday in Arizona and Florida. At the Family Life Sports Desk, I'm Bob Price. And still to come on the Noon Report for a Thursday, executive action on illegal immigration. Frozen embryos are human beings and campus ministries that make a difference. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, recently on X, atheist Richard Dawkins called out the once great scientific American for denying that sex is a true binary. His tweet, or his ex, or whatever it's supposed to be called now, was in response to a 2019 article entitled, Stop Using Phony Science to Justify Transphobia. The author is a male who insists on the pronoun she, they. The author claimed that the, quote, popular belief that your sex arises only from your chromosomal makeup is wrong. The truth is your biological sex isn't carved in stone, but a living system with the potential for change, end quote. The writer then cited examples of chromosomal abnormalities, intersex disorders, and the apparent similarities between the brains of trans individuals and those of the opposite sex to prove that sex, like gender, is actually on a spectrum. Well, the idea that someone can, in fact, be born into the wrong body has been a central claim of those who advocate for transgender theory from the very beginning. This, of course, assumes that the right body is not one that's physically healthy or where all the systems are working, but one that matches someone's internal sense of gender identity. Further, if there's a conflict between one's body and one's sense of self, it's the body that's the problem and has to be changed through hormonal or surgical interventions. That distinction between the inside and the outside, so to speak, is vital to the transgender claim that even fully anatomical males should be able to compete in women's sports or enter women's locker rooms. After all, they say, it's what's inside that makes someone a woman. However, this sharp distinction between gender and sex is now increasingly being blurred by gender activists who, like this author, refer to biological sex as being assigned at birth and increasingly as being non-binary, like gender supposedly is. In other words, the subjectivity about gender that's long identified this movement is becoming a subjectivity about sex. Now, what this implies, of course, is that doctors in delivery rooms who report it's a boy or it's a girl are really just imposing an identity on children. However, if that's true and if bodily sex is subjectively assigned, how can someone actually be born in the wrong body? Why undergo invasive and irreversible therapies to change a body to look like other bodies that have merely been socially assigned the opposite sex. For that matter, how can there even be such a thing as an opposite sex? Now, what's interesting here is the distinction between how bodies are supposed to work and how they break down, that's straight out of about a half a dozen Christian books on the subject. And yet, here's the argument coming from one of the infamous horsemen of the new atheism one of the most fierce opponents of Christianity. Dawkins is known for calling belief in God a delusion. But watching this exchange, one wonders how he's processing the actual delusions being unleashed on a society that has largely rejected God. 
Now, of course, Dawkins is absolutely right in his critique. Male and female are real and binary, a non-negotiable truth discernible by science that's taught in the Bible and also written in creation on the human body. Denying the reality and the relevance of sex bodies as trans activists do, that's about as profoundly anti-scientific as you can get. It's notable that even a scientist who's famous for denying the God who made us male and female can see that. All to say, Christians, of all people, should be as clear-minded about these things as anyone on the planet. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you very much. Outside we go next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon into tonight. Cloudy with a little rain at times and a little wintry mix for some across parts of northeast Pennsylvania and the eastern southern tier of New York. Temperatures this afternoon peaking in the 40s for most, dropping back into the 30s and low 40s tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, a spot of rain early. The temperatures in the 40s, then dropping much, much colder tomorrow night and Saturday with lake flurries and some sun. High temperatures Saturday, only in the 20s. All right, winter not done yet. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots going on Thursday, the 22nd of February. Cell phone and internet outages were rampant this morning across parts of the country. Correspondent Nancy Chen fills us in. AT&T says that some of our customers are experiencing wireless service interruptions. We are working urgently to restore service to them. Despite earlier reports, Verizon and T-Mobile, they say they are not impacted. Some municipalities are experiencing difficulties right now with 911 service. So there could be some real issues because of this. In the high-stakes battle over the southern border crisis, President Biden is taking a page out of the Donald Trump playbook. He may take executive action to rein in the migrant invasion. Former CIA station chief Dan Hoffman. We just don't know a lot about these people who are entering the border, and uh, the border, border Patrol is just overwhelmed there. Hoffman says illegal immigration has become a national security issue. And it's why we have a border. It's why we have the CBP and we have ICE. That's why they exist. And it's not functioning right now to the great detriment to our national security. The Biden administration cites a 1952 law that grants executive powers to restrict asylum claims at the border. White House correspondent Nancy Cordes. This is a big development, especially for a Democratic administration. And officials are considering it because of the record numbers of migrant crossings over the past few years. Donald Trump tried doing this when he was president and the courts shot him down. An Arizona prosecutor refusing to extradite a suspected murderer to New York City because of New York City's soft-on-crime policies. Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell. Having observed the treatment of violent criminals in the New York area by the Manhattan DA there, Alvin Bragg, I think it's safer to keep him here and keep him in custody. The largest hospital in the state of Alabama is putting on hold in vitro fertilizations after the state Supreme Court ruled frozen embryos have the same rights as children. The concern is that hospital staff could face prosecution for conducting IVF treatments. GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley weighed in on the debate with NBC News. Embryos to me are babies. So I'm even those created through IVF. I mean, I had artificial insemination. That's how I had my son. But when you talk about an embryo, you are talking about, to me, um, that's a life. The Alabama ruling stems from a 2022 case where several couples filed wrongful death suits after frozen embryos were dropped on the floor by accident and destroyed. President Biden's younger brother James testified for eight hours yesterday on Capitol Hill as House Republicans continue their impeachment inquiry into the president. 
Senate. Missouri Congressman Jason Smith chairs the House Ways and Means Committee. All he focused on was protecting the family brand. That's what they do best. Protect the family brand and sell that family brand all over the world. The family brand is Joe Biden. Next week, the president's son Hunter will sit down for a closed-door deposition on Capitol Hill. The State Department is warning Americans do not travel to Russia for any reason. This warning comes after the arrest of a 33-year-old ballerina from Los Angeles who was charged with treason for raising money for Ukraine. Saturday marks the two-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Reuters reporting today that Iran just sent hundreds of missiles to Russia as it attempts to take over the sovereign nation of Ukraine. Top executive at Boeing is out of a job after a hole was blown in the side of one of the company's 737 jets mid-flight last month. This is the first time we've seen Boeing shuffle its leadership team since the incident and the first executive to be departing Boeing in the wake of it. Aviation consultant Chris Van Cleve. And later today, a Texas company could become the first ever private company to land a spacecraft on the moon. Wouldn't that be something? The man behind the Odysseus mission, Intuitive Machines, Steve Altimus. You know, of all the missions mounted to the moon, there's only been a 40% success rate. We believe we can do better than that. I put our odds at uh, uh, 75% success. If Odysseus sticks the landing, it'll become the first spacecraft to touch down on the surface of the moon since 1972. That touchdown expected just before 6 o'clock this evening. And survey says more than a third of Americans have more credit card debt than emergency savings. That's according to a poll out today from bankrate.com. Next at noon, a closer look at ministries that make a difference on college campuses. Today's guest is Mike Andrews with Impact Ministries at Penn State Altoona. He spoke recently with our own Greg Gillespie. Here's some of that conversation. Students really get a bad rap spiritually. I talk with people from churches and even administrators and people that work on campus and they all just make the assumption that students do not have any spiritual life. I was actually talking to a maintenance worker on our campus, and he says that he calls our campus Sodom and Gomorrah. But what I think they're missing is all students have a desire for spirituality. They believe in some sort of thing that is so much greater than themselves, be that inclusive community or knowledge or some sort of faith or spirituality. I think all of that really ties together into the spiritual temperature on at least our campus right now. And I'm seeing a lot of students who are willing to give faith a chance. What are the techniques? What's the emphasis that you have because of the uniqueness of this particular generation? Bread and butter of all campus ministry throughout the ages has been just discipleship, replicating oneself and another. The way I think that has transitioned over the years is I know in the 90s and early 2000s, campus ministries really made the focus on kind of like the large worship gatherings. And that was how they had their community. That's really where the bulk of the discipleship kind of happened was through teaching and preaching. And then throughout the late 2000s, it's actually changed more to one-on-one discipleship. And now I think I'm beginning to see a little bit of a trend towards small group discipleship, specifically with our ministry. A lot of really good spiritual growth in our students 
but in really small groups, not one-on-one that does take place, but also in our small group Bible study. There's just been a lot of really good conversations and spiritual growth taking place there as well. How can churches be supportive of encouraging their college-bound students to get plugged into a campus ministry group like yours? That one is actually kind of tough because I do encounter a lot of students who grew up in the church that are more or less unwilling to get plugged into a small group setting. But what I do find is the ones that are getting more involved in ministries are the ones that have a really firm foundation of their faith and are looking to expand that more. And so I think maybe if the local congregations poured more into their junior and senior high school students and kind of gave them that chance to say, hey, listen, we truly believe that this is something that's going to be important in every aspect of your life. Something I'm passionate about and desire to see is what I call intergenerational discipleship. So having a local congregation to say like, hey, we have this you know 70-year-old retired man who gets a couple of guys together every weekend to work on a car or whatever, begins to kind of create that groove in them and that desire for, hey, I really miss that. I'm looking for that again. And college is an absolutely fantastic place to find those areas. What is it that motivates you or gives you an aha moment as you work week by week by week with these students? Something that gets me out of bed every morning is just having those moments with students where I get them to view just one thing so radically differently that they have to change something about themselves. I was actually listening to a podcast a while back that Francis Chan was on, and something he said was, we see again and again and again, Jesus brings people to a place where they have to decide either they follow him or they follow their old way of living and leave him behind. And I know that's a really tense place to live in, but I love to bring students to that point. If we believe that these things that we're talking about are true, this in your life has to change. And now it's up to you to make that decision to follow Jesus and give up that other thing or keep that other thing and give up Jesus. I always find students are willing to give that other thing up because they see so much life and just joy and peace in Jesus himself. That is Mike Andrews with Impact Ministries at Penn State Altoona speaking to our own Greg Gillespie. You can listen to their entire conversation at familylife.org. Just look for the news tab on the podcast page. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Although we are holding on to the mild air of late, that beautiful sunshine of recent days has given away to lots of clouds and a bit of rain. The expectation is our weather will stay unsettled right through tomorrow. The arrival of a cold front will mean a little precipitation and then a brief but precipitous drop in temperature as we head into the start of the weekend. For this afternoon into tonight, cloudy with a little rain at times and a little wintry mix for some across parts of northeast Pennsylvania and the eastern southern tier of New York. Temperatures this afternoon peaking in the 40s for most, dropping back into the 30s and low 40s tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, a spot of rain early, and temperatures in the 40s, then dropping much, much colder tomorrow night and Saturday with lake flurries and some sun. High temperatures Saturday, only in the 20s. 
All right, great work as always. Thank you, Kevin Williams at the Weather Center. And finally at noon, one company starting their yearly quest for some bunny important. Family Life's Brian Query explains. No bunny knows Easter better than him. For the 60 year, Cadbury is holding tryouts to find out who will be the next Cadbury bunny. The tryouts began in 2019 and allows all pet owners to have their pets try for the chance to be a part of a Cadbury ad spot. New this year, furry friends can enter to compete along with other finalists in a bracket-style elimination on Instagram. To enter, pet parents must follow Cadbury USA on Instagram and post a picture or video of their pet on their feed explaining why their pet should be the 2024 Cadbury Bunny. The winning bunny and its owner will have the opportunity to receive up to $7,000 in prizes throughout five rounds of voting. They will also have the chance for their bunny to star in the 2025 Cadbury Bunny Tryouts commercial. Brian Query, Family Life News. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brian. And just like that, folks, our time is up. That's the world we live in Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.